Hi, this is Jay Swan, Road Boy, Nabi Carey. I'm the chairman of the Dallas Community Police Oversight Board. We just had a discussion on community policing and police oversight, and this is race, violence, and medicine. Welcome to Race, Violence, and Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Brian Williams, and once again, thank you for joining us for the show. Today, we're going to talk about uh, community policing, police oversight, activism. There's a lot we're going to pack into this interview, and we have the perfect guest today. This is Jay Swarobu Anabakari. He is the current City of Dallas Chair of the Community Police Oversight Board. He's also an activist for racial justice. And during his spare time, he is actually an IT professional. Uh, that's what he does during, for his day job. But there's a lot of stuff going on trying to make the city of Dallas uh, a safe and just city for all. Jay Swarobu, thank you for joining us today on Race, Violence, and Medicine. Uh, Brian, I just want to thank you for allowing me the time to speak with you. And I just want to thank everyone that's, that's listening as well, man. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, to get this done. Now, there is so much going on right now when, in regards to policing. We are you know, still within a couple of weeks after, it's about a month now, it's about four weeks of protests since George Floyd was killed outside of Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of calls about what to do as far as police oversight, uh, reform of policing, and also racial justice. And that kind of intersects with what you do uh, day and night. So tell us what, what's going on in, in Dallas in regards to community policing. It's probably helpful to give our listeners a little bit of background on what police oversight means and how you came to be chair of the board there. Okay, well, first of all, I want to thank you for, for, for giving me this, this extra work with me following, <laughs> follow, following behind you. As, as, as the audience may know, you were the previous chair of this board when it was the Citizens uh, Police Review Board, and you saw that this board did not have the the teeth and the power needed to do true oversight. And so you, along with other community groups and myself, worked to get this new board created because the previous board that you were the chair of did not have an office supporting it. So now we have this um, Office of Community Police Oversight and we have the Community Police Oversight Board. And if we could just talk about what oversight entails a couple of things. So now we have this office, the Office of Community Police Oversight, which allows residents of Dallas or residents of other cities who've come through Dallas and had an encounter with the police, a, a method for them providing feedback or complaints on those police officers to an office that will make sure that those complaints get reviewed and, and properly administrated. And so that's the Office of Community Police Oversight. The director of the Office of Community Police Oversight also has a responsibility. If there are any 
uh, critical incidents such as a police shooting or a, a death in custody, then she would also be on the scene to to monitor that and she'll be able to monitor that administrative investigation throughout the process. So now let's go to the board and the board is 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 probably one of the, the most important pieces because of the fact that with the previous board, the Citizens Police Review Board, we can only do things after the fact. We could review complaints and, and if that complaint has something to do with a policy, we could possibly make recommendations on policy changes. Well, the current board, the oversight board, this is more of a, a proactive stance in community uh, policing. So what the oversight board can do, we not only get to review those administrative complaints that the Office of Community Police uh, Oversight reviewed and determined if we feel that there needs to be some additional discipline or if we feel that that the recommendation, um, if, we, if we feel that there should be a different recommendation or even a independent investigation, we can do that with the complaint piece. But a new piece is that we can proactively review police policy. Give you an example with everything that's going on with the protests and the civil unrest. There was an incident that happened on the Margaret Hunt Hill Bridge where peaceful protesters were met with non-lethal force from the police department. When I say non-lethal force, I mean um, gas, flashbangs, and what appears to be uh, some type of uh, projectile device that's supposedly non-lethal. Well, what the board um, voted to do, we passed a motion for the Office of Community Police Oversight to do a thorough investigation of Dallas's protest, Dallas Police Department's protest policy. And not only that, but because of the fact that there have been over the, throughout, throughout the country since these protests began, there have been over 400 plus video incidents of use, excessive use of force by police departments throughout the country. So we decided also to do a thorough review of the Dallas Police Department's use of force policy as well. So, so the Office of Community Police Oversight is going to review both of those things, and then the board will, will review it, and we may decide on some recommendations of changes for both the protest policy as well as the use of force policy. So that's... Yes, yeah, so that's important. No, no, don't, don't apologize. So mm -hmm. uh, I think a very important distinction you're making there is that the prior board was a reactive body and the current board is a proactive body. Uh, some similarities is that everyone on the board is appointed by uh, a city council member and the yeah. chair like you are appointed uh, by the mayor and you know all exactly. are confirmed confirmed by the uh, city council. But mm -hmm. now there's actually an office with personnel support. There, there is a budget and you have some ability to be uh, proactive uh, yes. in order to, well, I guess basically to ensure public trust in the, in the process, which, which was lacking. Uh, yes. But also enhance collaboration between the police department and uh, the city. So those are, those are important, important steps because that trust was lacking. 
And I, and I appreciate you giving me a lot of credit there, Jason Rorova, but you recognize that I, I, I merely grabbed the ball towards the, the goal line after, what is, I think it's about 20, 20 or 30 years of work that was done by citizens and activists yes. uh, to get it to that point. So I was proud to be a part of that at the end. And uh, uh, watching, watching you all take it from there has been a, a, a source, of, source of pride. I wish I could be there with y'all, but it's a source of pride. But taking what happened in Dallas, and your experience and seeing what's happening around the country and with the calls to calls to defund the police and, and increase oversight. Uh, how do you feel your experience can be instructive to other locales that are calling for that sort of intervention? I think the, the key thing here is transparency. And for, for decades, there has been this this protection of police departments and this shroud of secrecy and and let's only release just the bare minimum that we have to release in order to kind of quiet down the community and as opposed to really establishing public trust and so it's almost as though you've been using just a blunt force object on on something that requires a screwdriver and so we're looking at the fact that, in essence, if we're trying to build trust, if we're trying to build a partnership between the community and the police, then there needs to be more transparency. Transparency is the key to trust, not secrecy. And so I think some of the things that can be learned is just the fact that I think we, we are fighting to be a window a transparency for the community to be able to look in and see the things that the police department is doing right and the things that the police department is not doing right. But I think also with transparency, we also are going to talk about budgets. And there are some things that perhaps the police department is not best suited to handle. Some of those things, for instance, would be if, if you have a family member who's experiencing a, a mental and emotional break and they're just at the point where they're just not in their right mind, they cannot respond to, to any commands, they can't comply to anything, I think at that point, I don't know if the police, if the police department is necessarily the right entity to handle the situation. We've seen many times when a family member has experienced this and the family, out of concern, they, they dial 911 and, and the police arrive and some of these instances end tragically. Yeah, I think we, that goes we, to, uh, I, I think that goes to the comment that several, you know, command level officers have made that uh, the police are called upon to do uh, a lot of so social work and yes. not, not crime fighting and that leads to some very tragic encounters like the one you're, you're talking about right now. But how do you, what do you say, because the response from law enforcement is um, that, or the, their perception is that you know, oversight is about punishment and uh, not accountability and, and transparency can lead to increased increase punishment and as, as, as opposed to increasing trust and collaboration. Now, how do you bridge that gap? Because I, I know you're working, working through that sort of, of um, 
uh, of difficulty when asking for transparency and asking for accountability through action as well, that can lead to more punishment. So how do you answer that sort of critique as far as your role in police oversight? I, I think that that is a misconception because of the fact that what oversight, oversight actually protects everyone, meaning that by being proactive and, and not only being proactive, but by providing the civilian oversight, you are helping to protect police officers just as much as you're protecting members of the community. And, I, and I'll give you some examples why. Um, body cam. If every police officer has a body cam and that body cam is on, a lot of times that is going to show the truth of what happened in, the, in, in any encounter, the good and the bad. And so if you have a good a, a good police officer, then that body camera footage will be their saving grace. And if you have a bad police officer, that body cam footage will expose them. And so I, I think that it's a little bit deeper than just the the discussion of, of us trying to punish police officers. I think the issue, the, the, the real issue is culture and the culture of policing. And I think that that a, a lot of the police associations and, and, and higher ups, they feel as though this is an attack. They're not necessarily gonna say it, but they feel as though this is an attack on the culture. And some of the culture of policing does need to change. Meaning that I, I don't think in this day and age, overwhelming force is necessary for certain situations, meaning if it's not, you know, a, a situation where you have a, a, a potential fatality, where you have someone armed and, and is a danger to the public, then yes, but if it's not the situation, I'm not too sure if overwhelming force is required. And a lot of times we see in these videos of, of young men and women dying at, at the hands of police, you, you see where there was overwhelming force against a person that was unarmed. And, you know, that the, there is a, a problem there. And I think that that's more of a cultural problem than, than us trying to, to get them or get the bad police officers. And I think this is the opportunity for us to really sit down and have an honest assessment of policing, the good and the bad. Let's talk about the culture. What are some things that we feel in the culture has to change without being on the defensive, without trying to point fingers and say who's right and who's wrong, but just do that assessment and, and make decisions that will be the best decisions, not only for the community, but for the police department as well. Because I think that we have to get away from this gridlock and move towards working together because we're all in this together. We're all members of the same greater community. It's just one is civilian and the other is the, the police department. So you're big, so you're, you're, you're talking about the, the classic uh, negotiation principle of, of separating the person from the problem. You may not yes. like the person or trust the person, but like if you both look at the problem, then you can find some commonality to, uh, to address that and in the end serve the greater good. Now, 
you know, all the board members, not all have any law enforcement experience. Uh, there's, a, there's a range of professions, some that are working, some that are retired. You have re actually have retired police officers. There's actually, I don't know if there's still active, active officers that sit on the board as advi advisory members to try to give that balanced uh, perspective during uh, uh, proceedings? No, so we do have, the, the vice chair is actually uh, retired, but I believe he's a, he was a, if I remember correctly, he was a non-sworn um, member of um, the uh, uh, Department of Public Safety. I don't think he was a sworn right. member. Uh, we no longer have the, the, the advisory committee of the, of the uh, police officers from other areas. Now, that advisory committee, one of the things they were designed to do, if the previous board wanted, wanted to subpoena a police officer for testimony, that they would have to vote to allow the board the ability to do that. Basically, they gave the board permission to subpoena. So the board can, if the board requests the testimony of a police officer, the, the board can request that. And then um, it will be up to the, the, the police chief to make sure that they that they attend, whether it's a meeting or whether it's a private meeting between the officer and the officer community police oversight. But that's something that's been resolved where you no longer need the that advisory board. Now, what we are doing differently is we're creating uh, subcommittees. And uh, under your leadership, you, you created some ad hoc subcommittees, but we've, we've created some subcommittees within the board and as a part of the board rules. So we have a, a community engagement and transparency committee. We have a technology and data committee. We have a policy committee. We have a rules committee. And so we're, what we're doing with those subcommittees is we're going to, we will be allowing uh, three members of the community to join those committees and partner with us. Because one of the, one of the things that I committed to, and it's also a part of the, the board mandate is, is community engagement. And so I feel the best way we can engage with the community is if we partner with the community in creating these solutions that the oversight board will do. Meaning that you not only be a voice of the community from public, from, um, public uh, comments and also from complaints, but you also have the voice of the community as members of the community within the subcommittees providing vital feedback that will help us in guiding policy and, and all other things that we may decide to do. Well, you answer, you answer my next question, Jason, where we're rooms, I was going to say, y'all have been busy this past year with, I mean, with the Amber Geiger trial, you know, both from John shooting and then now what's happening uh, with, the, with the protests. Uh, I was going to ask, but what was, what was next on, on the horizon for the board as, as you move forward? But that community engagement piece seems like a huge part as far as getting civilians more involved in, in the process. Right. And, and, and just think, we and, and I, I pray that this doesn't happen, but we have not had a a, a high um, a high level a high profile critical incident such as the Botham John or you know and so if something like that happens, that's going to be a true test of the board's power because one of the concerns has been the lack of transparency whenever these events happen. 
So that will be the test for the office, for the monitor, for myself, because of the fact that you have these critical incidents in a, in a lot of cities. The, it, it, it really devolves into protests and unrest. And a lot of that is because of the fact that there isn't transparency, there's lack of communication, things of that nature. And so we'll see how that would play out if something like that happens. Again, Lord forbid that it happens, but if something like that happens, we'll see how that plays out in regards to the board and our responsibilities of, of making sure that there's this transparency and communication to the community. Excellent. Well, we've been listening to Jay Swarobu and Abakari. He is the current chair of the City of Dallas Community Police Oversight Board, talking about transparency, collaboration, safety, and trust. And if you listen to this, you will you will know that he, he didn't ever talk about punishment. <laughs> it did not cross his mind. It was all about what can we do together to ensure public safety in this time when there is decreased trust between civilians and law enforcement. So Jason Rubin, I know, I know you have a big job. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for joining us today on Race, Violence, and Medicine. Where can our, uh, where can our listeners track you down afterwards if they want to find you? Uh, first of all, again, Brian, thank you again for this, man. I, I really appreciate it. And I also appreciate what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're on the front lines saving lives every day. And I cannot tell you enough how much I appreciate you and the, and the risk that you take, you know, and I keep you in my thoughts and prayers for you and, and your family, man. You're, and I, I appreciate our friendship, man. It, it was amazing how, you know, good people tend to, to come together, man. And I, I just have to say, man, I appreciate you coming into my path and helping me along my way. Now, um, they can follow me on Twitter at at JSwarobo. It's at J E S U O R O B O. All right, I also put that in the show notes so you can you can find mm-hmm. it there if you didn't catch that. But it's on Twitter at J E S U O R O B O. And as always, I appreciate you all for tuning in. I want to make this show worth your while every single time. So please. Drop me comments at my website, brianwilliamsmd.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter at bhwilliamsmd. COVID is still ongoing. Protests are still happening. Uh, the, the country is transforming in real time, but I wish you all, please, please, please stay safe. Until next time, this is Dr. Brian Williams on race, violence, and medicine.